Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. You know, we're going to talk about small businesses today. One of the things that people don't know about financial advisors is many of us are self-employed. I've actually been self-employed for 26 years. And so I understand a lot about how to manage your money as a self-employed person. And you know what I know? It's complicated and it can be really expensive. And one of the places where we find that that small business people spend the most is by not understanding their financial relationships with their bankers. And so you know, I asked my smart money guest to spend some time with us today, Rachel Ela from Optima Bank, a business bank in New Hampshire, my favorite bank, by the way, uh, to come in and talk to us a little bit about what you as a small business person should be thinking about and what you should be thinking about it as it pertains to your banking. Rachel, thanks for spending time with us again today. Happy to be here, Katie. You know, one of the things that I remember when I first started my business is they said, well, listen, you got to go out and get a business checking account, or it doesn't necessarily have to be a business account, but it needs to be a separate account, and you need to run all your books separately so that when you go to do your taxes at the end of the year, you have some idea of money in, money out, and what were your expenses. You should have a separate credit card that you use just for the business. And then I immediately rushed right in and didn't do that. I did a, business, I did a separate checking account, but I was using my credit card back and forth, trying to remember what was business and what was personal, because it's actually not that easy when you start a business. There are a lot of moving parts. And then what I found is that, first of all, at the end of the year, it was hard to keep it all straight. And I think the technology is way better than it was in 1993. So thank God for that. Tracking has become a lot easier for those starting a business. But you know, we had spent a little bit of time in another show talking about how much people are paying in banking fees each year. And it's a staggering, um, they just started tracking it last year. And for a quarter, it was $7.4 billion. And overdraft fees were 34% of that, num- of that number, which is a, just a huge number. And I've been working with small businesses for a long time. And what I'll say to you is, I bet small businesses make up a lot of these fees. What do you think, Rachel? Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And where it comes from is when you open a business, you're doing it because you're good at something. And you, it's a passion. You want to share that. You've figured out how to make money with that. And it's a very exciting time for you. You are an expert in that area that your business focuses on. So it's really important to get together a set of people that are trusted partners. Uh, you were talking about how you were advised to go get a separate account. You were uh, get a different credit card, keep everything separate. And you skipped that step. Katie, you are not in the minority at all. That happens a lot. Um, I bet your accountant wasn't super thrilled with you at the end of that first year. Definitely not. (laughs) And he charged me extra to figure it out so that I would figure out never to do that again. And I never did, but that first year was kind of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? There are so many small businesses that experience that very same thing. So I will give that same advice. Go find an accountant 
find an attorney to set up your business the way it should be, help you make that decision. The accountant and the attorney are going to help you decide, are you forming an LLC? Are you forming a corporation? What makes the most sense for your situation? Based off of that, you're going to have some certain directives as to how you should open accounts. And that's important to share with your banker so that we set you up correctly. We're going to be looking for very specific documents. Just because you say that you're an LLC doesn't necessarily make you an LLC. You need very particular documents. You need to get a tax ID. There are steps you need to take in order to create a certain organization type. So based off of that, we will help you decide the best account for you to open. So I always think that in the beginning, simpler is better. Is that true? Absolutely, to a point. It depends on the type of business you have. We're going to ask you, how many deposits are you expecting to make? How many checks are you expecting to write? Those two questions are really going to decide what type of account you go into. You may be expecting a huge balance right off the bat because of how your business works. That comes into play as well. Because just like personal accounts and having a lot of different options out there, there are a huge amount of options out there for businesses. So even if it's something that you're kind of guessing because you're brand new, that's all right. Most banks will allow you to start out with a simple account and reassure you that as things change, you have the ability to change account types. And that's really important. Nice. So, you know, you talked a little bit about um, the fact that, you know, you start your business because you're really good or interested in the thing you're going to do, or hopefully both good and interested in the thing you're going to do. But you might not have any experience running a business, which means that the finances can be sort of, you know, sometimes I see people like their eyes just glaze over like, really? I got to figure this out too. Can I just go run my yoga studio or run, you know, run my business or in this case, you know, sell my books or however it goes. It's like, no, you actually have to decide that you're either going to figure all this stuff out yourself or you're going to work with somebody who's going to help you figure it out because it can be kind of complicated. I can remember back in 2004, there was this great book that came out called E-Myth Revisited. And I want to say, I think Derek Sanders was the author of that book, but I read it and it was really a book about why people that are really good at doing what they know how to do, maybe don't have the, the skills to run the finances of the business because it's completely different. It's not what their passion is. So, um, so banking is one of those places where I find people that are self-employed make lots of mistakes. And so you talked a little bit about this in the last show, but one of the things you talked about is the speed of banking and how that impacts people. Talk a little bit about that and how that specifically self-employed people who are, you know, writing checks and taking deposits and maybe covering payroll and paying taxes. Uh, what happens to them if they do it wrong? So the same repercussions that happen with your personal account can happen with your business account, but it can get much worse uh, with a business account. So you absolutely can overdraft your account. Uh, you get hit with those same fees. And the problem is you now have employees, you have vendors that have very strict rules. If you bounce a check to a vendor, they may change your contract on you. They may choose not to do business with you, and that could have a real impact on your business. 
you may create a situation with your employees where they feel like they can't depend on you for a payroll check. And that's not a good situation to be in either. It's very important for business owners to understand their bank's funds availability policy. We run into situations fairly often with, say, um, a construction company or a landscaper. Folks that come in, they have checks from their customers, they deposit them on a Friday. All of those checks are from various banks all over the area. Those funds may not be available. If you deposit all those checks on Friday and all of your employees flow in on that same Friday, you may not have enough in your account to cover those checks. So your employees might get turned away or you could be hit with some really solid um, overdraft fees. If they deposit those checks into another bank, you know, come Monday morning, you could be hit with a lot of overdraft fees. So you talked a little bit about the float and what's changed in the float as it pertains to banking. But I was hoping you could do that again for people that maybe are listening to this podcast, maybe didn't hear the other one, because I would argue that the speed of banking, that's something people got to get their arms around if they want to do well at banking. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Banks transmit checks electronically now. Uh, it started after 9-11. We started because the entire financial system froze when all of those checks could not move physically around the U.S. the way they had been. So the entire industry has moved to transmitting checks electronically. They get to the Federal Reserve faster, and therefore they get to the other bank faster. So if you write someone a check, if you write a vendor a check, or if you write an employee a check, uh, a check you need to have those funds in your account and available in your account. Um, now, banks and all banks have totally different availability policies. It's very important to understand when your bank is going to allow you to have access to the funds that you have put into your account. Just because you're deposit, deposited a check, that doesn't mean that the bank actually has that money yet. They still need to go out to the Federal Reserve and to that other bank to make sure they get credited. So to mitigate their risk, they may only give you a portion of that check um, available that same day. There'll be a little bit more available the next day. It could be different if you're a brand new customer. It could be different if you are a customer that has had issues with overdrafts. So it's really important to understand how your account and how your fund's availability works. You know, one of the other things that can really affect it is the size of the check. And I think that self-employed people, you know, by design, you do a big job and you bill on it and you get a big check and you put it in your account and you're like, well, my other checks are always available in 24 hours and or three days or whatever it is, but a bigger check can be held a, a much longer time. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Again, um, you may have, say, $200 available the next day or the same day, maybe 5000 the following day, but say you deposit a $30,000 check, those funds could be held for several days. It totally depends on your bank. So it's important when you are making that deposit at the teller window that you ask, when will these funds be available? And your teller will be able to tell you exactly when those are available for you to draw off of. You know, I actually know that when I came into your bank with um, some big checks at different times, 
when they were over, I think it was $10,000 was the number at your bank. The banker, the teller actually told me when she made the deposit, she said, I, I want to remind you. And I thought, wow, that was really great. I don't think anybody ever reminded me before, but it let me know that I needed to pay attention to that, which is really important because when you're self-employed, there's a lot of things going on and you're trying to satisfy a lot of people. You usually get paid just in time to pay your people. And you're thinking, I'm going to put that money in, I'm going to write those checks and it's going to go right back out. But you need to slow down. You need to know that your bank may not release those funds right away and that it can be pretty expensive to be wrong. Now, can, can small businesses talk a little bit about overdraft for small businesses? Does it exist? Can they get more than, say, the usual $1,000 because they write more checks? Or do they need to do something bigger like a, like a commercial line of credit or something like that? So there are various options out there. Absolutely, there is overdraft protection available to small businesses. Then depending on the type of business or depending on what you're doing in your business, there may be reason to get a larger line of credit. Perhaps you have um, a seasonality issue where you are completely in the money and overflowing with um, savings and such in the summer but winter's your hard time, it may be good to get a line of credit in place for those thin times so that you can still manage your money appropriately. So there absolutely are a lot of options out there. And that's, again, where you sit down with your banker. Depending on the need, they may get a commercial lender involved. But to talk through that is important. So I actually love my commercial line of credit. One of the things that I remember, and, and you know, for, for many of us who've been in business for a while, we all remember what happened when 2007 and 8 came along and what credit card companies did to good paying consumers who never had a problem. They basically decided that 30% of Americans probably weren't going to pay their credit card, so they were going to charge the rest of us 30% in order to make themselves whole. And I was actually really angry. I had a big blowout with a major financial institution who raised my interest rate to I've forgotten what it was, 28% or something stupid like that. And I had been doing business with this bank for 15 years. I had never been late. I'd never been at the maximum of the, of the amount. I'd never had an issue with them, but they just decided that they were going to raise rates because um, they were going to have bigger defaults. So then, you know, they were going to try to get a little bit more money from everyone. So I actually went in to see my, my, um, my business banker and said, is there anything that I can do? Because I actually want to, you know, I'm going to pay this off, but I actually never want to do business with this financial institution again. See, I'm Italian. And in my business, there's, you know, we always talk about something called Italian debt in my family, which means like you do something really mean to me, you're out, right? So this happened to me with this major bank where I said to myself, I am never going to pay you a dime of interest or do business with you in any way where you might profit from me ever again. Because I had been doing business with, with that bank since, I don't even remember, since the beginning. And all of a sudden, they just thought charging me 28% was reasonable. So I did what I know a lot of people can't do. I just paid them off. But a lot of people can't just write that big check. But what I promised myself was I was never going to need to give borrow money from that person again or any really, really too far removed financial institution with no structure. So I went to my business banker who, by the way, is at Optima Bank. And I said, what could I do? And he said, you know, a commercial line of credit is an option, but it's different and you need to know how it works. So could you explain a little bit about 
how a commercial line of credit works for people who are maybe self-employed and haven't taken that step to organize their banking in a better way? So when you're considering a business line of credit, immediately go and sit down and talk with your banker. And they're going to help you decide whether it's something that they can help you with. They may get a commercial lender involved. But the questions that they're going to ask you is, why why do you need this line of credit? And when are you going to draw on it? If you're thinking that you're going to draw off this line because there's a new piece of equipment that you want to get and you want quick access to it, that may not necessarily be the best product for you. So it's important to talk through what the next quarter, what the next six months, what the next year looks like for your business. I talked a little bit about seasonality. Are things great for you, but you really start to sweat payroll come, you know, November or, you know, choose any month out of the year? That's a great time to use a business line of credit. There are combinations of products that you can put together based on your business, based on cash flow, based on the overall need that your banker is going to be able to guide you through. And based on that, you'll pay different rates, you'll pay different fees. So it's important to fully give the story to your banker so that they can guide you towards what's going to be the best product for you and how you're going to use it. So really, I always think about the products as breaking down into um, three main categories. There's operating cash. And so I think about that as a corporate or business line of credit where you need to borrow money for short periods of time to have access to quick cash. But then ultimately your plan is to pay it off. Pay it off. In fact, if you can't pay it off, you want to know that's kind of a problem. So every year, uh, most commercial lines of credit require you to pay the balance to zero and to leave it at zero for at least 30 days. So if you're thinking about a commercial line of credit, you always want to make sure that you never have more than you can ultimately pay it off and then let it sit. So you really want to think about this as, I need money in the short term or through a period of time over the year, but ultimately most of the time I'm going to have very little or, you know, very little balance on it and I'm going to be able to pay it off if I need to and then wait. And then there are things like equipment loans. Um, or car loans or, or vehicle loans or whatever for the purchases and acquisition of stuff. And that's different. Rates and terms are different. And um, because it's not an unsecured product, um, the borrowing is a completely different thing, but it's usually you pay it in payments, just like you would a regular car loan. So many payments for so many years. And then the last is, you know, loans around real estate. And this could be like, I bought my office and refinished it. And so I did a I did an office purchase and a construction and then was able to put it all into one uh, commercial uh, loan on my business. And so that's just like borrowing on your house. And so that's got to be done differently. Like you think about securing it against your real estate. It's the same thing. It's a little bit more complicated on the business side because sometimes there can be lots of partners involved, like the small business association might be able to do part of the purchase and part of the funding And so your banker will be able to talk to you about whether or not you want SBA involvement or not, how much, what the pros and cons are, and how you're thinking about building your thing. But as your business grows, and you're not just like a little Schedule C running in your kitchen anymore, selling stuff out your back door, as your business grows, you're going to want to be paying attention to the sophistication of your banking and making sure that it is keeping pace with you as you grow. 
Absolutely. And, you know, not only with loans, uh, there are a lot of different ways to help you manage your money. Um, it's important for you if you're accepting credit card payments that you look at how you're accepting those credit cards every now and then, making sure that you're paying the best rate possible. There's a billion different fees that you can pay when accepting credit cards. So it's important that you really understand how you're processing credit cards. It's important, uh, we talked about funds availability. Are you getting your payments? Are you getting um, your client checks in as fast as possible? Should you maybe explore something called remote deposit capture where you either are taking a picture with your phone or maybe you get so many checks, it's best for you to have a scanner in your office. Maybe you have an office manager that can just zip the checks through and they're deposited electronically versus losing that office manager for an hour because they have to gather the deposit, go out to the bank, it's you know a 10-minute drive and then they come back. That's lost lost productivity when we might have a solution for that at your bank. So those are all things to be thinking about when you're working on your small business. A lot of times you're paying attention to the product of your business. And I always say that there's a trade-off between um, working in your business and working on your business. But I always try to have, you know, an hour or two a week that I'm working on my business. And so this could be, you know, I'm looking at my financials, uh, once a month, I look at all my rolled up data to see where I am profit and loss and what happened or didn't happen over the course of the month. Um, or I bother my assistant, Jane, about how many books we sold on Amazon for the hardworking woman's guide to money. Um, but what I want to do is I want to have a little bit of time each week. And I know it's really hard to carve that out. But the bigger your business gets, the more important it is that you have the resources and that you have the right people that you can get the right information from quickly. And so, you know, Rachel, that was one of the reasons why I had you on the show is that you and your bank have been great providing those kinds of resources. So can you tell people how they might reach out to you? Absolutely. So the best way to reach me is via email, which is my first initial last name. So R-E-L-A at OptimaBank.com. Also, you can read more about our uh, banking products online, which is OptimaBank.com. And just to put it out there, our bank was actually founded by a husband and wife team 10 years ago. So our bank has gone through what many small businesses and growing businesses are going through. We're hiring staff. We're figuring out how to market ourselves. Um, It's learning what we're good at and how to get those products and how to service our customers the best. We've experienced everything that you're experiencing. So we get to look at it with a different lens, which is a really fun perspective to come at banking with. Yeah, I agree. I've actually, I was a very early uh, customer of Optima Bank because your commercial lender used to be my commercial lender at another bank whose name we won't mention on this podcast. And so when he moved, he was such a great banker that I followed him. And I'll tell you, I've never regretted that because I think it's important to have a really good resource that you can get in touch with to learn and just make sure that you're doing things in the most efficient way that you can. I think that small businesses don't spend enough time thinking about this and they they really should investigate what they've been doing with their bank lately and whether or not they're working with a bank that truly is servicing their needs and that the that the costs and the structure make sense based on where their business is today and where they hope to bring it tomorrow. Absolutely. So what else is really important for businesses to know about banking? 
So it's important for business owners to recognize when they are opening a business account, you know how your personal account works. And I think we've heard a lot about the Consumer Protection Agency in um, recent years. You need to realize as a business owner that you are not protected the way that you are as a consumer. Uh, as a business owner, you only have 24 hours to dispute a charge that is on your account and is not yours. Wow. Yeah, and it's not something that many businesses are aware of. So we're, we've spoken about carving out some time to work on your business a couple hours each week. It's actually very important to take five minutes every morning to open up your online banking, take a quick peek about... Um, the activity that's posting for that day or that posted overnight, double check that you have enough funds for anything that's out there, uh, but also to make sure that all of those transactions are valid. Um, you know, we also put a lot of people in charge of our account so that we can focus on our business, our office managers. Sometimes we have trusted uh, employees that we give access to our accounts, say through uh, debit cards, corporate debit cards, those kinds of things. Sometimes those people, unfortunately, that we trust the most do have the most amount of access and people do get desperate. So it is important to just take a peek at your account to ensure that everything looks the way it should look. Yeah, because I always say, you know, uh, when you when you allocate a tax to somebody, a task to somebody, it doesn't mean that you're abdicating responsibility from yourself. This is your money. You've worked, your, you've worked hard. You've taken a lot of risks to get ahead. I see business owners, sadly, I hear the story a lot. And it's, you know, it's the bookkeeper you never thought would do it. And it's not that most people are criminal because most people, I believe, are good people. I think Luke Bryant's got a song about that, how he believes most people are good people. And I agree. I think most people are good people. But I also think it's really important that when you assign a task to somebody, you're assigning them the task, but you still own it. And so if I have time to check Facebook, I have time to check my bank account. It only takes five minutes. So what I want to let people know is there'll be more information in the, there'll be like contact information in the show notes. So feel free to reach in there if you didn't get Rachel's email and you want to reach out to her. Or of course, there's always a link for how to buy my book on Amazon, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money. So until we speak again, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.